0: well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. The letters of the Bible. We're in the letter of James, and we're finishing it up today. We use a King James Version Bible. And we ask the Father for the wisdom, the knowledge, and understanding. As we go through this last part of James, a lot of false doctrines in churches come from these verses here. Let's take a look at what the Greek actually says so we can understand some important stuff that James has to tell us by the inspiration of the Spirit of God. James chapter 5, verse 13. Is any among you afflicted? Now, when you look at this word afflicted, what do you think of? Sick? Some kind of disease? Something wrong with you? Your body? Actually, this word afflicted um, doesn't mean any of that stuff. And it means all of that stuff. The word in the Greek actually means to undergo hardship. So you could be undergoing a hardship of, you know, sickness, sure. But let's take a look at this word as it's used in the Bible, in other places, so you can understand what's being said here. Understand it a little bit better. Let's go to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy, just a couple of books back, 2 Timothy, and I want us to go to verse 2, chapter 2, I should say, and verse 3. And, of course, we know this is Paul, wrote this letter to Timothy. And verse 3 says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So, see, it's talking about hardship. Endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So what we're enduring our hardship about has to do with, number one, being a believer. And it's some kind of a hardship. But you're supposed to endure that hardship and continue to do the works of the kingdom. Don't let the hardship... Make you stop doing the works of the kingdom. This uh, Paul used it again, the same word, but it was translated a little bit different in verse 9 here in 2 Timothy. And he's talking about himself. Wherein I suffer trouble, that's that word, endure hardship as an evil doer. So you understand, it is enduring a hardship of many different types, not only um, something afflicting your body. Even unto bonds. So they even put me in jail saying that I've done bad, but I've endured it, I've gone through that. But the word of God is not bound. So Paul is saying there, listen, yes, I have to go through stuff. People talk bad about me. People don't like what, you know, I say. But I will keep going. And guess what? I'm not going to stop doing the works of the kingdom and preaching about the word of God. So now you have an idea of this word as far as if it says, and go back to James chapter 5, verse 13. Is any among you afflicted? Okay? So now you understand this could be many different things. What does it say? What does it say? So you're going through a bad time, some kind of, you're going through a hardship. Something's happening. It says, let him pray. So that's right. When you're going through tough times, talk to God. Always talk to God. Is any merry? That means to be happy. Let him sing psalms. This is interesting. Um, Actually, the the languages don't necessarily uh, say psalms. Um, Actually, what it's saying is rejoice with a musical instrument. Worship God. You know, listen to music. And, of course, we know that it's talking about good music. And, of course, the reason why Psalms is in there is because that's the kind of music that they listened to in those days, the Psalms in the Bible. So, yes, if you're happy, listen to good music. The Psalms is good music. Now the music that they have today in the churches is garbage music as far as I can see. It's, it's not um, giving glory to God and, and most of it has to do with what we've endured and how we've overcome and, and all of this and it has to do with us humans when we're supposed to be singing the praises of God. And now... Here we go in verse 14. It is interesting that James, if it meant sick, why does he use the word sick now, that word afflicted? If it meant sick, then why does he use the word sick now? So you understand that it's talking about different stuff. We understood what afflicted is. It means going through some type of of a hardship. Absolutely. Is any sick among you? This word sick is interesting. The word means to be feeble in any sense. So what does feeble mean? It means to be weak. It means not to be strong. You can be feeble in your body, sick. You can be uh, feeble in your mind, emotionally, sick. You can be uh, feeble in your spiritual life, your spiritual walk, your faith. You understand that's the word feeble. It could mean anything. It's a weakened state. And, of course, one of those weakened states would be um, the body being sick itself. So what does it say? about this weakened state that you're in, what does it say to do? So here's a question. And the answer is, let him call for the elders of the church. Now, listen, (laughs) you look up these words, it's pretty simple. What's being said here is not these people that they have in these churches that consider themselves elders, have been given the um, uh, title as elder, and elder means to be spiritually mature. Anybody is that is spiritually mature, you can go and talk to them and call them. You understand? It's not talking about, well, you've got to belong to a local church and they got to have elders and then you got to call the local church's elders and then you got to have them come. No, that's not what it's saying. It's saying someone that's spiritually mature. You don't want, if you're sick or feeble in some way, weakened in your faith, for example, you don't want somebody that's spiritually immature to talk to, like a fellow believer that, you know, just became a believer. You you don't want to have to talk to them because they can't help you because they're not spiritually mature. And it says, it continues and it says, call for the elders of the church. This word church just means the called out ones. So it's not one specific group of people. It's talking about any brethren that's a believer, that's spiritually mature, that's who you call, you know, call them, those people that you know like that. Because some of the elders in the churches, the local assemblies, are people that I wouldn't want praying over me, I can tell you that. (laughs) because they're full of sin. And the next part tells you, and let them pray over him. So uh, pray, meaning talk to God. See, God won't answer a prayer of someone that is not in good terms with God. So just because you're, quote, An elder of a church or even a pastor of a church doesn't mean that you're in good terms with God. It's important to understand. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So, you know, we call the Lord Jesus um, or Yahshua, it doesn't matter, but anointing him pray to God and ask for this for God to heal this person, anoint them with oil, and do it in the name of Yahshua, in the name of Jesus. Now, it continues. Do you think that anybody can just do this and it works? No. And it doesn't work on anybody. You can't have just somebody coming up to you and asking you to pray. It don't work that way, and it continues, and it explains something important. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Now, first of all, the prayer of faith, this is talking about that when those spiritually mature believers pray to God for your healing, They believe that God is capable of healing you. They have faith. They're not double-minded people. They're not like, well, you know, I don't know if God, you know, can heal him or, you know, there's no double-mindedness. It's a prayer of faith. So the person has to believe, (laughs) you understand, that God is able to do it, number one. Number two, um, this second part, Says, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. That word saved doesn't mean saved in the way that it's used so much in Christianity today, which is nonsense. The word save, you look it up, it means heal. You understand? So it means heal. So if the person that you called has the faith, then they will heal you okay now it's an important thing it says here and the lord shall raise him up the lord shall raise him up which is an interesting thing it it's not talking anything to do with salvation has nothing whatsoever to do with that, and people can get salvation out of this verse because of the word save. It completely throws it off. It's not talking anything to do with salvation. What it's talking about is, and the Lord shall raise him up, means to heal his feebleness. Remember? The person is feeble. So when a person is spiritually mature and you've called them and told them that you've got a problem and you want them to pray for you and they believe that God can and will heal you and they anoint you with oil in the name of Yahshua, guess what? You will be healed interesting isn't it that's what it says and it continues a thought it isn't over it isn't like okay you go to a spiritually mature person you tell them you're sick you're feeble something's bothering you something's wrong they anoint you, they believe, and you're healed, that's it. You're all set. No, because it continues. It can happen like that, absolutely, if there's no problem. But if there's a problem, what's the next part saying? And that's why it's connected here. And if... So there's a condition, there's something wrong. Maybe the person didn't get healed, okay? It isn't because the person didn't believe, meaning the spiritually mature person didn't have the faith. Everything was in place. Everything was right, except for there's a problem. The person doesn't get healed. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven, him so what it's saying here is that some people that get weakened in their faith, weakened spiritually, weakened in their bodies, weakened in their minds is because of sin and when that happens something has to occur First, before you're going to be healed of that weakness. And what has to be uh, occur is what it's saying. You have to acknowledge your sin. That's why you've got the next verse. It says, confess your faults one to another. Now, confess is not saying and people have taken this, they've got those false doctrine churches that says that everybody has to go to church and tell everybody their sins and everything they've done wrong and you know, no, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about someone that's weakened in their self in some way. Physically, mentally, emotionally, um Whatever way it is spiritually, they're in a weakened state. That's what we're talking about here. And so confess means to acknowledge. So, so the spiritually mature person that's got everything right prays and you don't get healed, what it's saying is that it's because you have sinned. You see, these people that believe, once saved, always saved, all your sins, past, present, future, are covered under the blood, all said on the day that you believe. This, of course, again blows it out of the water because it's not true. (laughs) Because if it was, then this wouldn't be in here. Okay? So, there's a problem. You're not being healed. You've got to acknowledge to this person spiritual, you know, you can call a bunch of spiritually mature people. Now, make sure you know the people, make sure they're spiritually mature. Don't call up a church and say, hey, I want some elders, no. So, you know these people, you know they're spiritually mature, but you're not being healed. It's saying acknowledge what you've done wrong. Because it's not working, you're not being healed. Acknowledge your sins that you have done. Okay? And then it continues and it says, so that you can be healed, by the way, because God isn't going to answer prayers from people who have sin on their souls, no matter what crazy Christians think. Confess your faults one to another. There's an interesting one there. You know why? Because let's just say you're going through the scenario the person that's weakened, yes, they have sin. But the spiritually mature person has sin also that they haven't acknowledged. So they have sin on their souls. So if you're doing this, the guy. Um, acknowledges his sin, and a guy's still not healed, then the problem is with the spiritually mature person, the elder that has come in, or elders. And so you must take an account of you, yourself, and acknowledge that, yeah, oh, okay, it's me. I've done this or that or whatever. Acknowledge your sins one to another And then, guess what? And pray one for another that she may be healed. You understand? Pray for each other when you have sinned and acknowledge your sin. This is why you are feeble or unhealthy or in a weakened state or one can't heal you because God's not answering their prayer. Once you have acknowledged your sin, then your prayer will be powerful for each other. Now, one thing that I want you to see here is what is missing, what isn't here? The word repentance. Interesting, isn't it? And the reason why the word repentance isn't here is because God wants you to acknowledge your sin. Repentance has nothing to do with saying you're sorry. Repentance has to do with not doing your sin again. So we know you're not going to be doing the sin right then (laughs) because you're trying to get healed and you're acknowledging that you have done this sin or sins or whatever it is and so there's no repentance needed it's talking about acknowledging present or past sins you understand no repentance necessary and then the next part of the verse says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much so guess what Okay, so now that you have both or all have acknowledged your sins to each other and then prayed for each other, then now you're considered righteous because you're covered under the blood of Jesus Christ. And now your prayers will be powerful. Yes, and now God will listen you understand. It's interesting how churches make false doctrines out of simple stuff. So, we've got up to verse 16. And I'm sure that you have heard of false doctrines that churches had brought up and made up concerning the things written in these verses we've read so far. So now you know the truth. Let's go to 17. James loves to give examples of the Old Testament. I just love that about James. It told me that he knew the Old Testament and he Use the Old Testament, and that's the way God works. See, God does that with me when I'm doing my studies. If you've studied with me, you know I go to different places in the Bible when I'm talking about certain stuff that is connected, and that's how God does it. So let's find out. Uh, James is going to give us an example so we understand what he's talking about. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. What is he saying? <laughs> it's pretty simple. He's saying and that's Elijah by the way. He's saying that Elijah was human like us. And guess what? Elijah sinned. Elijah didn't wasn't perfect. And he didn't do everything right. And that's what James is talking about. So he's given you an example saying, hey, we're not perfect, but we've got to acknowledge what we've done. So then he continues and he says, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. So you understand he's saying that, yes, just because you're a sinner, just because you're human, just because you make mistakes, doesn't mean that God won't answer you if you saw the word righteous, right? If you become righteous in God's eyes. And how do we do that? Through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's the only way you can become righteous in our time. In Elijah's time, he could get righteous by the temple because God had those laws where you went, you did the sacrifices and that kind of stuff. Now, the next part tells us something important. And it's interesting how you have these once-saved, always-saved believers, Let's read 19 in English. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, <laughs> you can um, you can um, <clears throat> see that that might be a salvation thing. Someone look at it and think it's salvation. Uh, no, because guess what? The word err means to roam from the truth. So, in order to have the truth, or to roam from the truth, you had to have had the truth. No one saved, always saved. Okay, you've got to understand that. So, James is talking about the brethren. And he's talking about one of the brethren that are no longer following Jesus. Who's the truth? Jesus. They're no longer following Jesus. They're a brethren. So they're, they've roamed from the truth. All right? So I want us to hold our place before we finish that verse. And I want us to go to Romans so you see something here. You understand, you know my favorite verse in Romans, chapter 1. Understand about the wrath of God for all you once saved, always saved people. For the wrath of God, verse 18, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who, who what? Who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So guess what? you can roam away or move away from following Jesus. Okay, so you were a brethren, you believed in Jesus, you were on the path, and then you now, you meet someone and and you get to know someone or someone you know as a believer is now off the path, not following the path, not following what Jesus told us to do. That's what's being talked about here. So, Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, so, it's saying if someone, if any of the brethren have left the way that Jesus showed us, the road that they're on is not the right road, the one that Jesus showed us, and then it says, and one convert him. That word convert, that means to go from nothing to something, meaning it's, That's salvation. Oh, they were a sinner, and I got them to be a believer. You know, no, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about a brethren that is a believer that is not following Jesus anymore. So this word convert, of course, is error. (laughs) It doesn't say convert. The word is in the Greek revert, meaning you had the truth, you left the path, and you have to be reverted or brought back to the past. So, what does it say? So one revert. If if someone reverts this person that roamed from the truth, twenty. Let him know that he which reverted converted his wrong words. Let him know that he which he reverted. The sinner, from the error of his way, the road he was on, shall save a soul from death. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah, get this all in the salvation. It's nothing to do with salvation. It has to do with one reverts the one that went from following the truth, meaning the road he was on was not good. And he wasn't following Jesus anymore. If you move him back on the right road again, that's what it's saying, you have delivered their soul from the lake of fire. you understand? So no one saved, always saved. And no, just because you're a believer doesn't mean you can't end up in the lake of fire. So that's why it says the soul... From death, And the word saved, of course, is healed or delivered their souls from death. So, so, yes, they were a believer. Now they're changed and turned their way of the road they're on, and now they're doing worldly things and not doing what Jesus wants us to do. And so now, guess what? They're headed to the lake of fire. Absolutely. If you're not doing what Jesus wants you to do, you're headed to the lake of fire, and so you you see your friend that's a brethren, and you see what they're doing, and you go to them and talk to them and you show them the error of their way. You're on the road wrong road, you know you're headed to the lake of fire, and they go, really, and if they want to. They'll come back. Now, you once saved, always save people. When you have a brethren that has gone off the path, and now they're in the world and they've left following Jesus, and I ask you, you know, now they're sitting and doing all the stuff of the world and the bad stuff, and I ask you, what's going to happen to them when they die? You say one of two things. One is, oh, there'll be an eternity. Once saved, always saved. You can't um, unsave someone. Or the other thing you say is, oh, they were never a real believer, so it didn't stick, (laughs) or some stupid stuff like that. Well, guess what? If you're the ones that believe, that once saved, always saved, then that means that you're not going to, you see your brethren, and he's gone off the path, and he's not following what Jesus told us to do, and he's just doing things in the world, and he's sinning like crazy, and you just let him go, and let him enjoy his life, and and that's it, and and because you think he's all set, okay, he's going to be in eternity, guess what, you had an opportunity to turn him around, to revert him back, but you didn't take it because you have the false doctrine, once saved, always saved, so you don't have to worry about it. See, that's why this is saying if you do have a brethren. And you do do this for your brethren. You have delivered their soul from the lake of fire, which is where they're headed. Then the next pot, last pot, says, and shall hide a multitude of sins. Guess what? While their living in the world and not following Jesus on the wrong path, they're not on the right way, they're not on the truth, they're not following the truth, they've roamed from the truth, all their sins are piling up on their soul, all their sins are piling up on their soul, and they're headed to the lake of fire. But when you revert them and bring them back to the way, bring them back to the truth, turn them from what they've been doing and turn them to do the works of the kingdom and what they're supposed to be doing, then their new sins, the ones that they committed once they left the path, are covered under the blood of Jesus. And that's what it's talking about. Because once they come back, they acknowledge their sins And, of course, repent, meaning don't sin no more. What happens? That's it. Your sins are covered under the blood. Interesting, isn't it? How false doctrines, and Satan loves them, can cause believers to not help, their brethrens that are in danger of the lake of fire. Not help the brethren that is weak in a weakened sense. Maybe their faith is is weak, or or maybe their body is sick and they don't understand it. And you haven't told them that. Hey, maybe. What the problem is, is that you've been sinning. You've got to acknowledge those sins, and then we can take care of it. Then God will heal you. But God isn't going to heal you while you have sin on your soul. Interesting. How these little old verses, which say completely different stuff than a lot of people say they say. And it's so simple. What is our job as believers? James lets us know. And it's throughout his letter here. To help the brethren. That's what we're here for. That's our job. Not to help ourselves. Not to make ourselves stronger. It's for the brethren. Are you helping the brethren? Or are you just helping yourself? And that completes this study the letters of the bible and the book of james with lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time (gasps) no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky